Good evening, hushlings, and welcome. I present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void, the whispers of conjecture, and the known of the unknown. Thus begins the conclave of the Hush Hush Society. School children are nice targets. I shall wipe out a school bus some morning, shoot out the tires, and then pick off the kiddies as they come bounding out. That was the threat of the Zodiac Killer. Now, every day, police cars follow the buses which would be likely targets. Officers armed with shotguns take the threat seriously. The psychotic killer has already murdered five. One at a lover's lane near a lake just north of San Francisco. Three others in nearby Vallejo. The latest, a taxi driver in San Francisco. The Zodiac Killer seems to crave publicity. He sent letters and cryptograms to newspapers and the police recounting his crimes, threatening more murders, and making Bay Area residents very edgy. Greetings, Hushlings. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Where we journey into the world of conspiratorial mysteries and dark truths. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And as always, we're joined by our masked marauder, Slick Frank Sanders. I got a couple of masks. I'm Slick Frank Sanders. (laughs) (laughs) I cycle through them every couple of days. Uh, like gimp masks? Yeah, gimp masks. Big yeah. on the leather and the zippers and all that. You know, <laughs> Would that have been effective during the last couple of years? I mean, yeah, depending on what you're referencing to. You're not breathing your, your death air. Oh, effective for COVID? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, people are going to stay the fuck away from you most likely. Keep a ball gag underneath the zipper, too. <laughs> I mean, that's the classic way of doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. No air. That's fucking gross. Well, boys, speaking about ball gags and <laughs> choking and death. <laughs> this week, we're talking about the Zodiac Killer, or Zodiac for short, which is the alias for one of the most infamous serial killers of all time. Not necessarily because he, she, they. They. It's a he, but yeah, we can be ambiguous. Yeah. Not necessarily because he killed hundreds of people, rather the fact that the killer was never caught. Zodiac preyed upon the innocent in Northern California during the late 1960s. Five murders were officially linked to the Zodiac killer along with two attempted murders that resulted in injury. Through letters to authorities, the killer claimed to have killed 37 people. But before we solve some puzzles, just want to remind you of our socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can reach us there, send us a message, like our pages, enjoy our content as we put up the memes and cater to all you social people out there. Also, check out our website, hushhushsociety.com. We used to put out a lot more memes. It used to be just memes. Yeah. In the early, early stages. I'm going to go back towards our three-year anniversary and start dumping old 2020 mid-pandemic memes. And as Mike said, our website, hushhushsociety.com, you can find all of our audio. You can check out some blogs, links to merchandise. we got some good stuff coming, more to come. You can also find all our social links that Mike said as well as our video portion that you are watching today. 
Yes, in the link to the video portion, that'll take you to www.rockfin.com slash hushhushsociety. There you will find our page, which contains all of the video debriefings, declassified discussions, so on and so forth for your entertainment. For anybody that is a primary listener over there on Rockfin, our apologies. We've had troubles getting our Tartaria episode up over there. A lot of technical difficulties with that one, but we're still working on it. Be patient. Thank you, you guys. We love you. All right, boys. Let's say we pop off a few rounds. The Zodiac Killer was unique in a sense. Amongst other serial killers, he was a riddler of sorts. His signature move was sending letters to the law enforcement and newspapers that would contain details of the murders that were being investigated that only the killer would know about. Oftentimes, evidence from the crime would come with said letters. Aside from taunting authorities and corporate media with letters and evidence, the Zodiac also sent ciphers, a series of symbols, letters, and numbers for whoever received the message to decode. And for decades, this murderer has been a mystery eluding trained detectives and online enthusiasts alike. So what did the Zodiac killer look like? Although there are very few survivors and witness accounts to describe the Zodiac killer, they describe him to be around 5'8", to 5'10", with curly brown or light reddish brown hair, and a crew cut. Typically, he was described wearing all dark clothes, with distinctive shoes, wing walkers, or military jump boots. It's also said that he wore horned-rimmed glasses and allegedly had a medium stocky build to him. Author John Douglas profiled the killer as being driven by a need for attention and being a self-conscious, paranoid, narcissistic loner. Sounds like me. He also mentions Zodiac's need to prove his intellectual superiority to compensate for his shortcomings. Again, like me. Unlike other killers of this nature, Zodiac didn't have a singular or specific modus operandi. He was a bit all over the place when it came to his approach. For example, some of his victims were killed with a pistol, where others were killed with a knife. Like I said, his method of approach when you know coming up to these people that he was going to attack or, or kill was pretty different each time. He just liked to kill. Yeah, but now the the question is with the method of approach and the use of different weapons was that intentional or like sporadic because that's a huge factor as to why he was never caught it made it that much more difficult for authorities to put together links between murders to really catch this guy when each murder was so drastically different because serial killers operate generally in patterns Mm. and it's a lot easier to notice patterns i mean i guess the ciphers that we're going to get into are really the main pattern. Could it have just been situational? I hate to put it in like a video game sense, but would it be easier to sneak up on this NPC than it would be to go full clip on them? Or was it just a thought out process too? That would make it more sadistic. Obviously, obviously you're a murderer. You're, you're a crazy person. But if you're planning like this person, I'm going to, fucking shoot them (laughs) like that's that's or this person i'm gonna knife them to death premeditated like that would be crazy and i don't think we'll ever know or more so that it was purposefully 
different each time so that there wasn't that set of pattern. That's a whole nother level. Yeah. You're thinking ahead. You're going out. All right, tonight I'm going killing. Last time I used a gun, time to use a knife or, you know, whatever else you were using. I like to think that he was a real goofy goober and had like three fish bowls on his dinner table, one location, one weapon, one apparel, and he would just reach in and, you know, just, okay, we're going here tonight and we'll be using the baseball bat and, you know, sort of like a game of Clue, but reverse. I was going to say Clue, but backwards (laughs) from the killer's standpoint. (laughs) Tonight I'm going to use the candlestick. (laughs) So let's get into some confirmed cases, actual people that actually were killed by this person. The first confirmed case of Zodiac killing took place on the 20th of December in 1968 on Lake Herman Road in Benicia, California. At about 10.15 p.m., David Faraday, who was 17, and Betty Jensen, who was 16, were parked up in David's mother's GMC Rambler in a popular couple's makeout spot on Lake Herman Road. You guys ever made out in a Rambler? Not a Rambler. (laughs) It's pretty magical. Is it? Have you done it? (laughs) I mean, Ramblers are dope. Lucky. An actual GMC Rambler. Wow, look at that car. Yeah, it's bitching, dude. It's bitching. That's how you get the ladies. Yeah, that's how you used to get the ladies. The couple's bodies were discovered a little after 11 p.m. by Stella Burgess, someone that lived nearby. The investigation of the killings concluded that another car had pulled up next to the Rambler shortly before 11. In an attempt to get the two out of the car, the killer fired several shots into the vehicle. David Faraday was shot once in the head at point-blank range as he was getting out of the car. Betty seemed to have exited the car and started to run away. Her body was found about 9 meters from the car, shot in the back five times. Shit. Both Faraday and Jensen were killed with a 22 caliber semi-automatic pistol using Western ammunition. There was a lot of speculation and investigation about this double homicide as there was numerous initial suspects. At this point in time, the Zodiac killer wasn't even a thing. The Zodiac didn't claim these murders until months later, and the details he included that proved that he did it weren't made public at any time. So after this murder, they were investigating Betty's ex-boyfriend, but his alibi was solid. He was at home with his parents watching a movie or something. They had looked into two raccoon hunters that were in the area that night, but they were using a different caliber of firearm, and it wasn't even pistols. They didn't have pistols on them. So the police really had nothing to go on or stand on regarding this case for months and months and months. It's a really nice area of the San Francisco Bay. A very small town, though. 2010 census puts it at 27,000 people, so it must Mm. have been drastically smaller in the 60s yeah it's a little disturbing when a serial killer is encountered and they start taking credit for other killings but most times they don't know 
the details of it. It's somebody that's just saying, yeah, I did that. I did that. There's so many different killers that were caught, you know, going to death row or they were in prison and they claim that they did 20 other murders or 10 other murders, whatever it may be, but didn't really pan out because they didn't know the details of it. But this guy goes and backs it up later on that. Yeah, I know these details because I was there. That's the messed up part. The second confirmed murder case carried out by Zodiac took place on July 5th of 1969 at Blue Rock Springs Park in Vallejo, California. It was just before midnight, and Michael Majo, who was 19 at the time, and Darlene Farron, 22, were parked in Darlene's Chevy Corvair when a car suspiciously pulled up next to them and then immediately left. These people had bitchin'-ass vehicles, man. God, we were born in the wrong time. Yeah, the 60s was the time for nice-ass cars, dude. Heavy, just rumbly-ass cars, man. The car came back 10 minutes later and parked behind them. Creepy. And then a man got out of the vehicle and approached the couples with a flashlight and a pistol. Allegedly, the man shined the flashlight into the victim's eyes, temporarily blinding them before firing five shots into the car. Both Meiju and Farron were hit, with some bullets passing through Meiju into Farron. The killer quickly headed back to his car, but heard Darlene groaning, so he ran back, shot each of them two more times, and then fled, finishing the job. In total, Farron was shot five times, and Meiju was shot four times, with a 9mm semi-automatic pistol with Super X ammunition. Darlene Farron died upon arrival at the hospital, and Michael Meijiao survived the incident. Wow, scary stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, freaky. Just the fact that he survived... Just looking at it so far, I don't know. It feels sloppy. Like the whole entire situation seems sloppy. Like he started to walk away before he even knew they were both dead, went back for like the kill blow and still left one of them alive. And you got to take into account this was months and months and months after the December shooting the year prior. So what is that? Six, seven months had gone by at this point. I don't know. It seems like maybe Zodiac was like sketched or anxious or nervous or something. It didn't seem very well planned. No kill shots. You'd think if you really wanted to do the job, you'd. Yeah. Like you did with the first one with Faraday. Yeah. Maybe it was the location. The first one was more remote. Could be, you know, kind of a make out lane type of situation. But the other one is closer to a suburb area. Maybe he was freaked out by people maybe showing up or other people being at the park at that time, which is why he showed up first and then drove away. Maybe he was spooked at that point. Hmm. The car was found with the ignition on, handbrake released, and in first gear, suggesting that the two were attempting to flee when they saw the killer approaching them. Michael described the killer to be 5'8 or 5'9, 26 to 30 years old, Caucasian, stocky, with curly light brown hair. That same morning, about 45 minutes after the incident, a call was received at the Vallejo Police Department from a payphone by a man claiming responsibility for the murder that night, describing in detail the 9mm pistol that he used. It was on this call where the Zodiac Killer also took credit for the Lake Herman Road murders. Now one thing to point out, Blue Rock Springs Park is only about 8 miles north of the first murder. Mm -hmm. So it's very close you really take like a couple minutes to get there that's the pattern already is location and it seems to be happening in parks on july 31st the san francisco examiner 
San Francisco Chronicle, and the Vallejo Times Herald each received a letter from the killer. The letters all included details of the murders at Lake Herman Road, as well as Blue Rock Springs, that only he would know. They also included the first cipher, which was labeled Z408. The letters read, Dear Editor, this is the Zodiac speaking. In answer to your question, for more details about the good times I have had in Vallejo, I shall be very happy to supply even more material. By the way, are the police having a good time with the code? If not, tell them to cheer up. When they do crack it, they will have me. This is still part of the letter going. On the 4th of July, I did not open the car door. The window was rolled down already. The boy was originally sitting in the front seat when I began firing. When I fired the first shot at his head, he leaped backwards at the same time, thus spoiling my aim. He ended up on the back seat, then the floor in back, thrashing out very violently with his legs. That's how I shot him in the knee. I did not leave the scene of the killing with squealing tires and racing engine as described in the Vallejo paper. I drove away quiet, slowly, so as not to draw attention to my car. Mm, methodical. The letter continues, and I quote to A.T. what the letter is saying. The man who told the police that my car was brown was a Negro about 40 to 45, rather shabby dressed. I was at this phone booth having some fun with the Vallejo cops when he was walking by. When I hung the phone up, the damn thing began to ring. That drew his attention to me and my car. Last Christmas in that episode, the police were wondering as to how I could shoot and hit my victims in the dark. They did not openly state this, but implied this by saying it was a well-lit night and I could see the silhouettes on the horizon. Bullshit. That area is surrounded by high hills and trees. What I did was tape a small pencil flashlight to the barrel of my gun. I love the way he spelled episode and silhouettes. Epi episode, E-P-A-S-O-D, and silhouettes is the best one. It's silhouettes. S-I-L-O-W-E-T-S. Yeah, Hushlings, for as much of a, a genius he was supposedly supposed to be, he could not spell for shit. Hooked on Phonics was not the thing in 1968, apparently. <laughs> also, like Frog said, this is 1960s, and people talked funny then. Colorful language. It continues, If you notice in the center of the beam of light and you aim at the wall or a ceiling, you will see a black or dark spot in the center of the circle, about three to six inches across. When taped to the gun barrel, the bullet will strike exactly in the center of the black dot in the light. All I had to do was spray them as if it was a water hose. Yikes. There was no need to use gun sights. I was not happy to see that I did not get front page coverage. Oh, my God. It's like Jack the Ripper. That's kind of awesome that he made a crosshair on the flashlight so that he could just point and shoot. Like, that. you, you can't just do that. That takes an extent of preparation and... I wouldn't say calibration, but you can't just put a dot on a flashlight and say, okay, now my gun, the bullet is definitely going to hit where that dot is pointing. Like it takes some tweaking to do that. It also would take some serious knowledge to modify a firearm on the fly. 
So could that imply that this person could have been some type of ex-military or someone who knew how to makeshift things like that? Maybe it was MacGyver. <laughs> Fuck it law up. enforcement? Yeah, law enforcement, yeah. Park Ranger? McGow was shown a lineup of suspects in 1991 and identified a man named Arthur Lee Allen to be the killer. However, there's been scrutiny over the identification due to the amount of time that had passed along with other inconsistencies. Obviously, very long time, 30 years. 91 to 1968. Why would you wait that long? Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they had to gather up the suspects, I guess. Still trying to figure it out. Our next and third confirmed incident related to Zodiac occurred on the 27th of September of 1969. A young couple, Brian Hartnell, who was 20, and Cecilia Shepard, who was 22, were having a picnic on a small island at Lake Berryessa. The casual day outing soon turned dark when a man approached them wearing a black executioner-styled hood holding a gun. He had clip-on sunglasses on his nose and a bib around his neck that had a crosshair symbol in the center of it. The man told the two that he had just escaped from prison and demanded all of their money as well as their car. He said that the vehicle that he came in was stolen and was, quote, too hot. Probably not overheating, just sketchy being looked for. He then presented pre-cut lengths of plastic clothesline to the two and told Cecilia to tie Brian up. The one thing so far that is kind of jumping out at me is there was no interaction with the first two incidents. Then there's a full, almost full conversation with these people where he makes up a story about escaping from prison and then already has pre-cut lengths of whatever to tie these people up, which also goes and indicates that he did not just escape from prison. So he was ready to do something and already had this going. So what was the whole point of like the lie just to heighten the fear or get that like feeling going before he did what he had to do? Could be. Could be try to invoke like a response to see what happened. Also to note, this location is almost directly north of the previous two locations, except at like 25 miles. Big Lake. Never heard of it. Just looked it up. So it seems to be this guy's just moving straight up. Is there any correlation to where the killings are to the, like the symbol that he uses? No, not really. No, that would be very clever if somebody started to do that. Also point out that this one took place during the day. Mm, yeah. So he wasn't hiding in the night anymore. He wasn't hiding in the dark. Now he's getting brazen. And you've got these people out essentially on an island. You're not mm. in the middle of a park like they're on an island. He didn't have to take a boat out there. There was like a sandbar that you could walk across, but still secluded. But during the day, this is quite remote. It's out there. You probably wouldn't run into too many people in that area. So you come to a guy that looks like he's a part of a cult with a bib on with a crosshair on his face. That'd be pretty frightening. Yeah. Who knows why he, he said that he just got out of prison. Why would he have this whole get up right out of prison unless they just gave him his stuff and they were like here's your costume sir godspeed and good luck <laughs> you know? yeah 
kind of weird details. That's why I think it has to do with like the heightening of the fear. Yeah. Maybe their heightened fear also like heightens his excitement about it. Makes sense. The hooded man then checked the knots tied by Cecilia and tightened them further before stabbing her 10 times, five in the front and five in the back. The man then turned the blade, which was about 10 to 12 inches long with a wooden handle on Brian Hartnell, stabbing him six times in the back. The perpetrator then left the scene and walked back to Hartnell's car and drew a crosshair symbol on the door and wrote the following underneath it. He wrote Vallejo 12, 20, 68, 7, 4, 69. Almost in a date style. September 27th, 69, 6.30 by knife. Both victims were found still alive and screaming by a man and his son who were fishing in a nearby cove. Holy shit, they lived. This is the one that you hear about a lot on Zodiac documentaries. Kind of wild that they lived, though, especially Cecilia. That's wild. Yeah, crazy. And the size of the knife to boot, you know, 10 to 12 inch knife and then 10 times. Oof. They were taken to Queen of the Valley Hospital in the nearby town of Napa by ambulance. Shepard fell into a coma while being transported and never regained consciousness. She died two days later. Hartnell survived and was able to tell his story to the police and press. Hmm. And at 7.40 p.m. that very same day, the killer called the Napa County's Sheriff Office from a payphone. He said to the operator that he wanted to, quote, report a murder. No, a double murder, before saying that he committed the crime. Only minutes after the call took place, KVON radio reporter Pat Stanley found the payphone still off the hook at the Napa car wash, which was 27 miles from the initial crime scene. Detectives were able to lift a fresh palm print from the payphone, but were unsuccessful with linking the print to any current suspects. One thing that I found interesting is the wording of his call. So he goes and he says, I want to report a murder. No, 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 no. A double murder. This to me points out that he is looking for specific words that are like bombastic, you know, like things that are going to print well in newspaper or on news. If you just go and you say a murder, then it's like, eh, it's a murder, you know, but a double murder, you know, it puts it in neon lights. That's what has Nancy like gasping at the dinner table, reading her newspaper during breakfast when she exactly. sees that, wait, no, a double murder. <gasps> yeah. What? Yeah. Cause, cause think about it at the time you're in San Francisco, California, a murder is obviously not as rampant as it is now in California, but it's still probably a kind of a regular thing. San Francisco was a seedy place. They did fucking midnight climax there years before that. So yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's always been a dingy crime infested spot. Yeah. Like you're saying murder is. Yeah. You just pass by that, but double murder. The, and, and it's even like the killer called and quoted. I performed a double murder or I want to report a double murder. And the nature of it too. He had her tie him up and just brutal. Not saying that, Tapping people five times with gunshots is any different, but stabbing somebody has got to be so much more intimate for somebody who's trying to do that. And stabbing one person ten times and another person another. The fact that one of them survived is miraculous. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. 
especially when you think about a 10 to 12 inch knife, if that's going through you from the back, that could come out the other side for a lot of people. That's brutal. It's crazy shit. It's also worth looking at the timeline yet again. So from the first confirmed case to the second, it was a seven month gap. And from the second to the third, it's a two month gap. And that trend continues. It gets more and more frequent as time goes. Yeah, because now he's getting used to it. That's what it is. He's getting a feel for it and he's becoming more confident with it. Hmm. That's what I was saying. You know, this murder happening in the daylight. Yeah, of course, it's out in an island. He has a mask on, but still, he's not in the cover of darkness anymore. It's a big day for him. Big day. And it gets, like Frog said, it gets even more rampant. We have the next murder in Presidio Heights, which is actually like in San Francisco. I mean, it's like a small car ride to the baseball stadium, Fisherman's Wharf. It's in the thick of the city. So definitely more confident if you're going to be in such a massively populated area. This was one of the last confirmed killings that was carried out by the Zodiac Killer and occurred only a couple days later, about 15 days later, on October 11th of 1969. Paul Stein, who's 29, was a cab driver at the time. He picked up a Caucasian male passenger in San Francisco at the intersection of Mason and Geary Streets. The passenger requested to be dropped off at Washington and Maple in Presidio Heights. Strangely, Stein drove one block past Maple to Cherry Street and the vehicle stopped. The passenger then shot Paul point blank in the head with a 9mm pistol, took the driver's wallet, car keys, and a portion of his bloodied shirt. Did he not steal the car? No. Who's a cab? I'll take the keys. <laughs> but now he's taking trophies. Mm, mm. That's definitely an escalation. Yeah, and two weeks. At 9.55 p.m., three teenagers saw the killer from across the street and called the police. They said they saw him wiping his fingerprints off the cab and then quickly walked away. Don Fook and Eric Zelms were the two officers that responded to the call. Two blocks from the scene, the officer saw a man walking on the sidewalk and then up a set of stairs to the front yard of a home on the north side of Jackson Street. Hmm. Fook estimated this pedestrian to be about 35 to 45 years old, 5 foot 10 with a crew cut, similar but slightly older to what the teenagers had described when they called the police to report the crime. When they did report the suspect, they described him as being 25 to 30 years old. However, this pedestrian, who strikingly resembles all previous descriptions of the Zodiac Killer, wasn't taken into consideration to be a suspect, as police dispatch described the perpetrator to be African American. I don't know if the teenagers specified an ethnicity, but somewhere it got lost in translation as to the ethnicity of the perpetrator and dispatch told the police that he was African-American. That's tough because I don't know how much you can really trust teenagers and their gauge of age or description of people. Like how cute are they to that type of thing? True. Especially when it comes to age. Age is tough to nail. Age is tough to, to nail for really anybody, honestly. Yeah. Especially nowadays. Shit. There are two composite sketches of the killer that were created by police working with the three teenage witnesses, which eventually would come to be known as the famous sketch that people would think of when the Zodiac Killer is mentioned. 
The San Francisco Police Department investigated over 2,500 suspects off of this composite sketch alone. In all honesty, this is what I want you guys to do. Take a look at this picture. Mm-hmm. Tell me that doesn't look like a cop. That's Ted Cruz. That is Ted Cruz. Look up Ted Cruz in 1960. Yeah, but wasn't Ted Cruz born in 1970? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't line up. It doesn't line yeah. up. <laughs> or we just talked about age. Ted Cruz was actually born in 1950. Mike, I'll is- do you one better. That's not a cop. That's a newspaper editor. That's a journalist, dude. It's Peter Parker. That's Peter friggin' Parker, man. <laughs> okay. I want to follow that line of thought for a second. Previously, I said something about a double murder and how those words were to be used to make a bigger headline. Then look at the gross amount of spelling errors in his lettering. Could that be have been done on purpose to throw off the fact that this person knows how to spell, knows how to write, and knows what's going to be put into newspapers. Well, the writing was very vague yet theatric at the same time. Mm. Yeah. And if you look at the wording of it, like it's it's made to be put into newspapers. Yeah. I like the idea, but these pictures like like we said were put into all of the prints. They were put all, into all of the San Francisco newspapers as well as like nationwide, I'm sure. If this went into the San Francisco Chronicle and the boss, you know, opens it up in the morning going to do his approvals and he sees the pictures and he's like, wait, that's Johnny on floor two working editorial. You know, like somebody would know who this guy is if it well, was if he's a newspaper. Not person. from San Francisco. We mentioned with Jack oh. the Ripper that it could have been somebody who came off the ship. What if he's somebody not even from California that's, you know, comes there, was there on vacation and then there or business, you know, could have been a investigative journalist. Hushlings, we will return after these brief messages. Greetings, Hushlings. Pack your bags and apply your insect repellent as we investigate documented cases of people who have gone missing in national parks in other wilderness areas. Although all of these cases are unusual and mysterious, experts say the statistics say otherwise. Surprisingly, the United States National Park Service does not keep a separate list of people who go missing in their parks. How does one vanish, and where are these people going? What happened to them? Is it UFOs, Sasquatch, the government, or even the Wendigo? Join the boys for our 75th debriefing on Monday, June 5th, as we head into the wilderness to investigate some of the most mysterious vanishing hikers. The Missing 411. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. On November 9th, 1969, the Zodiac mailed a seven-page letter stating that two policemen stopped and actually spoke with him three minutes after he shot Stein. Excerpts from the letter were published in the Chronicle on November 12th, including the Zodiac's claim. He also sent a letter to the San Francisco Chronicle on October 13th, just two days after the murder, claiming responsibility for Paul Stein's death. He went as far as attaching the torn piece of Stein's bloodied shirt to prove his involvement. 
The letter also included a threat of killing children on a school bus. He wrote, quote, just shoot out the front tire and then pick off the kitties as they come bouncing out, end quote. The kitties. Oh, my God. That's it for the five confirmed linked cases to Zodiac. But keep in mind, there's dozens and dozens of more potential cases that are linked to to the Zodiac, but there's not any like solid connection. There's lines if you want to see them that connect him to the murders, but he didn't claim them with evidence and details through letters or pictures or anything like that. Yeah, I was just going to ask, those are the ones where he was involved in contacting the authorities or other newspaper outlets but these were just connected maybe because of the type of weapon was used or the type of murder they could have just been a connection of an unsolved crime so let's uh, move on to these ciphers and other beautifully worded letters from our mysterious peter parker figure the very first cipher sent by zodiac is known as 408 cipher and it adds up to 408 symbols. We mentioned earlier that this one was sent in three parts to three different newspapers on July 31st in 1969. The cryptogram allegedly contained the identity of the killer and would only be revealed once solved. Zodiac demanded in his attached letters that the cryptogram must be published on the front pages of the newspapers, threatening that if they didn't, he would go on a killing spree. One week after the publishing, the cipher was decoded by two citizens, Betty Hardin and Donald Jean. The message in the cipher went as follows, quote, I like killing people because it's so much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest, because man is the most dangerous animal of all to kill. Something gives me the most thrilling experience. It is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. The best part of it is... That when I die, I will be reborn in paradise, and all the ones I have killed will become my slaves. I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down or stop my collecting of slaves for my afterlife. What is this word? Exactly. That's what people have been asking for 50 years now, what that word is. So Hushlings, it ends in a very weird, this is not a word type of uh, word. I'll throw it up on the screen with an image so, so you guys can see what we're talking about and take a look at the lettering. But it's, it's, it's very weird. It's very weird. Not a word at all. I would guess it's part of the cryptogram or something that they couldn't decipher. It's worth noting the amount of misspellings, just like the rest of the letters in this message. There's eight to ten of them in that paragraph alone, and whether that was intentional or not is unknown. Also, the meaning, if there is one, the last 18 letters of the cryptogram has yet to be solved. A second cipher was mailed in a card by the Zodiac on November 8th of 1969. It consisted of 340 characters, properly being dubbed Z340. This particular cipher eluded detectives and cryptographers for 51 years, as it wasn't solved until December 5th of 2020. It took a team of international private citizens made up of software engineers, mathematicians, and programmers to finally break the code. 
The cipher read, I hope you are having lots of fun trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me that I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to the paradise all the sooner. Because now I have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise. So they are afraid of death, and I am not afraid because I know that my new life will be an easy one in paradise death. End quote. This guy's killing me with the spelling, man. Yeah, yeah, that was a hard one. It's rough. It's rough. Through 1969 into 1970, the Zodiac continued to send letters which updated his kill count and mocked the authorities. One focus of some of the letters was the planned school bus killings, which he mentioned various times. He said he would build a school bus bomb, which he called a, quote, masterpiece, as well as a, quote, death machine. He claimed it would use photoelectric switches and a remote detonator. So now this guy knows how to build bombs. Or so he claims. So he claims, yeah. Another notable letter was sent into the San Francisco Chronicle on April 20th of 1970. The letter included yet another cipher known as My Name Is. The cipher only contains 13 symbols, but still has yet to be decoded. It reads, quote, This is the Zodiac speaking. By the way, have you cracked the last cipher I sent you? My name is blank, which followed 13 symbols. A couple days later, Zodiac sent another greeting card postmarked April 28th, 1970 to the Chronicle. Written on the card was, quote, I hope you enjoy yourselves when I have my blast, end quote. Followed by the Zodiac's cross circle signature, on the back of the card, the Zodiac threatened to use the bus bomb soon unless the newspaper published the full details that he had written. He also wanted to start seeing people wearing, quote, some nice Zodiac buttons, end quote. This guy's trying to fucking sell merch, too. <laughs> yeah, he said even if not Zodiac buttons, just grotesque, like offensive buttons. Like he just wanted people to wear hate on them, essentially. Like, just wear something that made people uncomfortable in button form. What do you think this guy's favorite fast food place was? At the time, I don't know how many options they had. Probably McDonald's. Yeah. I don't know. Strawberry shake guy. Yeah. Yeah. A real, a real flapjack sort of man. (laughs) Fucking hotcakes. In a letter postmarked June 26, 1970, the Zodiac stated that he was upset that he did not see people wearing Zodiac buttons. He wrote, quote, I shot a man sitting in a parked car with a 38, end quote. He was likely referring to the murder of 25-year-old Sergeant Richard Raditich one week earlier. So now he's shooting cops. A little bit of insight on that case at 5.25 a.m. on June 19th, Raditich was writing a parking ticket in his squad car when an assailant shot him in the head with a 38 caliber pistol through the closed driver's side window. Raditich died 15 hours later. The San Francisco Police Department denies that the Zodiac was involved and the murder actually still remains unsolved. My question with that is, was the 38 published in between those days, those seven days, for him 
to know that a 38 was used. If not, that would make it very coincidental to how he knew the exact caliber of the weapon used. At some point, the police have to start denying that this guy is involved with certain killings. Because yeah, you gotta you, think you don't of, want to freak people out. Yeah, it's public outcry. It's got to be a containment of people freaking out. Especially this guy who's becoming very prolific. He strikes at random times. He's wearing a mask or he's doing it at night or he's doing it in random ways to random people. Doesn't seem like there's a pattern. That sets people off. It's like the son, you know, the son of Sam. That whole summer, people going wild and crazy because of those killings. Are we going to do an episode on that? I think we should. It's worth it. There's a lot of occult and like weird things with the son of Sam. Very similar to this one. A lot of occult type symbols and definitely mental health issues. All right, hushlings. Let's get into some of the primary suspects. There have been countless suspects as to the true identity of the Zodiac Killer. Although the case still actually remains unsolved as to who he truly was, the top suspects are Arthur Allen, Richard Galakowski, Richard Marshall, Lawrence Kane, and Gary Post. Arthur Lee Allen was the top suspect in the Zodiac case and was the only suspect to ever be issued search warrants by authorities. His background included being dishonorably discharged from the Navy, and he had faced sexual misconduct charges leading him to lose his job as a school teacher. Now, the Zodiac guy had a hard-on for school bus bombs, so... And military boots and a knack for firearm modification. He was initially brought to the attention of the police because he was seen near the crime scene of the murder of Sherry Jo Bates. Surprisingly, no fingerprints left at any crime scene of Zodiac killings match up to Arthur's prints, nor does Arthur's handwriting match any of the letters that were sent. The main points of connection is that he was in the Navy and provided with ten and a half size wing walker boots, which matched that of the shoe prints left at crime scenes. He also owned a typewriter that produced very similar writing to a few of the confession letters that were sent. Handwriting's easy to fake. Better yet, you kidnap somebody, put a fucking gun to their head and say, write what I'm saying. True. It's one way of doing it. While the police were investigating Arthur, several of his friends spoke out against him. One said that Alan liked to kill couples and taunt the police with letters afterwards. Another friend actually told the police that he was fascinated with the idea of hunting people for sport. Another point is that Arthur lived in the vicinity of most of the murders, and when police issued a search warrant and swept his home, they discovered that he had the same ammunition type used in the Lake Herman road killings, as well as a knife that was very similar to the one used in the Lake Baressa incident. Unfortunately, none of the, quote, evidence quite matched up, and Arthur Allen died in 1992 before any further investigation or arrests could be made if they did deem him to be the Zodiac Killer. That's a lot of dinks. Yeah. When you have your friends saying, like, yeah, he wants to hunt people for sport and he kills teenagers, yeah. I mean, that's that's more than a coincidence at that point. And he mentioned in one of the letters that he enjoys it like a sport. It's fucking warped. <laughs> but at the same time, not to dispel any of that, how much of that is just people talking? 
or how much of that was said at the beginning of these killings, spouting off, oh, I wish I could kill teenagers, or I wish I could hunt people. Like, I wonder how much of that was said to his friends or in, in confidant of his friends during the release of all these things that were going on during the Zodiac killings. It's kind of similar with the, what was it, Ted Bundy. Wasn't it the girl that he ended up, like, marrying or something? Was the girl that called in? Or these guys weren't really his friends. They were like, fuck this dude. We're trying to get rid of him. (laughs) As for Lawrence Kane, Kathleen Johns, who claimed to have been abducted by the Zodiac killer, picked Kane out of a photo lineup of suspects. Patrol officer Don Folk, who might have seen the Zodiac killer following the murder of Paul Stein, said that Kane closely resembled the man that he and Eric Zelms encountered that day. Now, Lawrence Kane worked at the same Nevada hotel as possible Zodiac victim Donna Lass. Kane was diagnosed with impulse control disorder after suffering brain injuries in a 1962 accident. Fakel Zarawe, a French-Moroccan business consultant, claimed in 2021 that he solved the Z13 cipher and the answer to the puzzle that reads, quote, My name is Kare, spelled K-A-Y-R, end quote which he said is likely a typo for Kane, and others disagree that Zarawe ever even solved the cipher. Another possible perpetrator could have been Richard Gajkowski. During the time of the murders, Gajkowski worked for Good Times, a San Francisco newspaper. He did look eerily similar to the composite sketch, and Nancy Slover, the Vallejo police dispatcher, who was called by the Zodiac shortly after the Blue Rock Springs attack, identified a recording of Gajkowski's voice as being the same as the Zodiac's. See? Guy was a... he was a newspaper reporter, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I mean, it's, it's close. It's close. Yo, that's him. It's very close. It's very close. Bro, look at the haircut. Look at the glasses. Yeah. Look at the jawline. Bro, that's him. We found it. Hushlings, we solved it. That That's him. That's him. All right, guys. It's been a good one. See you next week. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> next up on our chopping block, we have Gary Francis Post. And he's actually the most recent suspect of interest and was connected to the Zodiac by a team known as the Case Breakers, which is made up of investigators, detectives, forensic experts, and former FBI and Army personnel. Through eyewitness, court affidavits, personal photos, and a possible DNA match. Post has been previously jailed for domestic abuse in 2016 and died in 2018. The case breakers' claims as to Gary Post being the Zodiac have not been proven as of yet. Our last suspect to mention is Ted Kaczynski. Internet sleuths have drawn several correlations that could connect him to the Zodiac Killer in more ways than most might imagine. As the Unabomber, the mathematician-turned-terrorist, Kaczynski launched a mail-bombing campaign in 1978 that went on to kill three recipients of his deadly deliveries and severely injuring 23 others. Similarities include the following. Ted Kaczynski lived in the San Francisco Bay Area from 1967 to 1969 when the Zodiac Killer was most lethally active. 
Both the Unabomber and Zodiac were brilliant cryptographers who signed their work with arcane symbols and taunted the police with catch-me-if-you-can phone calls. Also, each outlaw contacted newspapers and magazines to demand their personal screeds be published in order for the slayings to cease. In doing so, both killers directly reached out to the San Francisco Chronicle, made grandiose threats to commit large-scale mass murder, and then followed up with a retraction after police replied to the messages. Handwriting experts have cited numerous distinct patterns and marks made by the Unabomber and Zodiac. Analysts point out that writings of the Unabomber and Zodiac distinctly take aim at entire classes of people they blame for, quote, ruining society, end quote, and even attempting to destroy the entire planet. Also, the physical descriptions of the Unabomber and Zodiac by witnesses can seem uncannily parallel, particularly in regard to big, brooding facial features and a powerful square jaw. Sketch artists working years apart on the two separate cases occasionally appear to have rendered the same man. Shit, imagine if it was... Fuck. I just kept thinking about the fact that, like, the Zodiac mentions building a bomb, like when he was talking about the school bus. And then here we are years later, the Unabomber is being compared. Huh. Yeah. If you're looking at the letters that the Zodiac sent, they're very callous. You can tell that this person has zero feeling about the human race, whether it be young adults, older people, or even kids. And this is the same kind of manifesto that the Unabomber had also, and not really caring who they were taking out, adults or kids. I mean, Kaczynski is a weird one. If it was in a different timeline, you could say Timothy McVeigh could fit the bill. He looks like the guy with glasses, but it's a whole different. I don't even think he was born when this was might have been a child when this was happening. But yeah, I mean, I don't think it's Ted Kaczynski. He doesn't really look like the the drawings. I really think at first glance, Richard Gajkowski is uh, pretty on point. I've got a different composite sketch here of Zodiac. If you look at pictures of Kaczynski... It's hard to find pictures of him from like, you know, the the late 60s, early 70s, Hmm. but they're there. Hushlings, that takes us to our Reddit portion of today's debriefing. Every episode, we scour the depths of the nasty place that Reddit is to find some kooky theories. And there's a lot, but there's not a lot. On, on Zodiac, it's weird. The first post that we found came from user you respected, and he asked a notable question. It reads, quote, what rules out Michael McGow, who survived an attempted murder by the Zodiac killer as the Zodiac killer himself? Faking your own attempted murder seems to be the perfect way to preemptively throw the scent off your trail if your intention is to become a serial killer. I haven't looked up much on him yet outside of the case he was involved in. Just a thought, end quote. Didn't he get stabbed in the back, though? Yeah, he was also tied up. No, Michael McGow was from the very first shooting. The first shooting was he got shot in the head. (laughs) Oh, no, was he the survivor of the second shooting? Because didn't that guy survive the second shooting? Yeah. He was shot four times. 
And they said one of those bullets went through him into her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So unless this guy was just shooting himself. (laughs) Maybe it was Ricochet. That's a stretch, but I don't know. That's a stretch. That's a stretch. That's honestly one of those things that maybe not a lot of people think about when it comes to serial killers or attempted kidnappings or anything like that, is that the person who is the victim could also be the perpetrator. Mm. I don't know how often that happens. We see a lot of different people, of course, faking kidnappings, but to shoot yourself a bunch of times. Well, if you're sick enough to be a serial killer, you're probably sick enough to shoot yourself four times. True. Yeah. I mean, it does take your name like right out of the running for being the Zodiac killer. And he was the one that provided the initial description. He could go and make up a description of a man that they can find or never will find or the most basic generic description of people in the 60s, of course. Oh, yeah, he's anywhere from like 25 to 40, and he's got short hair, and he's got glasses. Okay, let's rule out half a million people right now. Ooh, this one's interesting, Hushlings. Another interesting post on Reddit titled, quote, Theory, the Zodiac Killer and D.B. Cooper are the same person, end quote. Comes from the user 666Nico, and it reads, quote, Disclaimer, please no hate. This isn't me claiming that this is a fact. It's just a theory I have and is definitely most likely untrue. Enjoy the read, however. There are many reasons why people think they are the same person. One reason is that they both look similar. It's very true. They have some of the same facial characteristics. And while the photos are just sketches, they look pretty similar in some ways. They go on to say, the timeline between the Zodiac Killer and D.B. Cooper is another reason. The Zodiac Killer stopped killing in 1970, which, if he was also D.B. Cooper, could give him a year to plan and then hijack a plane and disappear a year later. So they both disappeared at around the same time. Hmm. The Zodiac Killer killed in the northwestern United States, and D.B. Cooper got into a plane in the northwestern United States. Yeah, up in uh, Washington. The locations are not exactly the same, as D.B. Cooper got into a plane in Portland, while the Zodiac Killer killed in other northwestern states. California, Nevada, etc. According to the Cold Case Investigative Institute, the Zodiac Killer often piloted airplanes as well and was obsessed with airplanes and flying. How do they know that, though? Apparently, the names he signed were names of aircraft types, as well as the symbols he used were sometimes found on airplanes as well as airports. D.B. Cooper was also obviously obsessed with airplanes, and it is evident that he had at least basic knowledge of planes as he jumped off the plane with a parachute in bad weather conditions in a random place. Therefore, both the Zodiac Killer and D.B. Cooper were obsessed with airplanes and flying and both had basic pilot skills. Both are mysterious and have gotten away with their crimes. Both were obviously geniuses to be able to escape with their crimes. And lastly, they both wrote notes and taunted the police. I mean, didn't we say that in our D.B. Cooper episode that he could have possibly been a veteran with some type of military experience? Yeah, like a paratrooper or something. Yeah. 
Well, clearly, yeah, if he jumped out of a plane. So I'm trying to look up these uh, these boots. The Where wing the... walkers? Yeah. What are they called? Wing lockers? Yeah, wing walkers. Air Force wing walker military boots. Following where my brain's going? Air Force wing walker boots. Then they're also talking about D.B. Cooper being a paratrooper. Hmm. Hmm. This guy might be onto something. That'd be wild. That would be a wild one. It would explain why it's never been solved. Never found the guy. Disappeared into thin air. Before we get into our final thoughts, I actually came across a Reddit post pertaining to that very weird word that was part of the cipher. And it's actually posted by a user or in a in a Reddit called Zodiac Killer by a user called a film lover ninety seven. It's titled as I think I may have solved the extremely long word cipher. They said, so I was looking at the cipher again, and I decided to decode it from the actual cipher from scratch, looking at four different Zodiac alphabets, and this is what it came out as. Lists a bunch of letters. In quotes, it says, I am Ray Emmett, which could be another taunt, could point towards that his first victim was Ray Davis, or could be me overthinking this, but to me this does make more sense. There's also an anagram within the code ETG, which when spelled out is Edward Theodore Gain, the serial killer. Perhaps this is Zodiac's inspiration. Does anyone else think this makes sense or have any opinions, comments that could give this some more context? I'm not going to put it past him. Like most of the people that solved these ciphers were just your regular average Joe. Right. It was just private citizens. It was somebody sitting at their dining room table. He, he could have cracked it, maybe. Crazy, crazy stuff. All right, boys. It's a lot to take in for this case. Let's get into our final thoughts. Dave, what do you got on the Zodiac Killer? Uh, the D.B. Cooper thing is interesting. I wouldn't have thought about that until now. I think the fact that this is unsolved and there's so many different explanations and suspects and people who it could have been uh, after everything we've gone through and the pictures that we've looked at and the people we've investigated. I'm going to say that this guy may have possibly been that Richard Gajkowski guy just by looking at him and miraculously never got caught or it's just somebody who was slick and never got caught. They're probably dead now, but regardless, this is probably a, a very frightening time to be in the midst of a random serial killer bout going on. These true crime ones are, are definitely a little different because I don't really have too much of a a thought on who or what it could be other than what I just said. I think this one's definitely a weird one. And whoever this person is, is a very complex and very smart individual to either get away and to just do some of the games that they were playing. (laughs) Zodiac Killer. This has always been an interesting one for years upon years to me. It's one of the true crime mysteries that exists out there. And it's so iconic. You know, the mask, the ciphers. Dave knows if you go to the Museum of Death, there's a whole uh, Zodiac Killer thing there. So he did become prolific. He did become very famous, kind of like he wanted to from the beginning. But to me... This screams inside man type of thing. So either reporter or police officer. 
the police officer thing kind of rings with me mostly because of maybe in that situation where the taxi driver was killed police officers that saw people in the neighborhood might have seen another police officer and just kind of wrote them off and also the fact that part of the letter says that the police stopped him and he spoke to the police for a couple minutes now were they questioning him or were they having a chit chat with one of their colleagues he also killed a cop he also killed a cop there's some connections there at least for me for police also the fact that police kind of know where kids hang out and they're making out in ramblers at the top of a mountain and uh they're having picnics out on remote islands and stuff like that but the reporter thing also kind of gets me not saying that it is a reporter but just the way that he wrote the letters the way that he presented himself the way that he tried to make a name for himself gave him himself a nickname which jack the ripper i guess did that too it's a big no-no don't give yourself a nickname people but my thoughts copper reporter but we'll never know like dave said guy's dead it's off somewhere he's probably hanging out with adolf in argentina <laughs> did you try the strudel wrong final thought well for starters this was a fun one it's um a little bit off of our typical path of content and stuff that we cover, which makes it that much more fun. Definitely like to get into more things like this. It gave me, like you guys mentioned, those Jack the Ripper vibes when it came down to us trying to get into who did it, who was it, playing a game of Clue, sort of. Out of all of our suspects, Gajkowski stands out visually, and the police dispatcher did say that Gajkowski's voice sounded very similar to Zodiac's when he called in. But then again, if it was Gajkowski, they would have arrested him. Just like all of the other suspects that we had mentioned, if it was them, they would have been able to figure it out, in my opinion. I don't think it was anybody that we listed. And if, if it was, there would have been evidence to support it that would have led to an arrest. I think whoever did this was an absolute murder maniac mastermind of some sorts that obviously got away with it or maybe died maybe they just died before they were able to catch on who knows i'm gonna finish it off with saying watch the movie zodiac with mark ruffalo and robert downey jr it's a fantastic movie it's a little bit long-winded but for a little bit of dramatic sense into this case check that movie out it's great all right hushlings that is gonna do it for this episode on the Zodiac Killer. Was there anything that we missed? Anything that we should have mentioned? Did we mess up deciphering the codes? Let us know. Reach out to us at our email. Contact at hushhushsociety.com. And in our next debriefing being released on June 5th, we'll be discussing the missing 411. The strange and frequent disappearances of people in our state parks as well as other various locations around the United States. Be sure you stay tuned for that upcoming episode. And patrons, our next exclusive debriefing will be available June 15th. That's a Thursday, as always, every third Thursday, where we'll be exploring Operation Fishbowl, which is some high-altitude nuclear tests that may or may not have been attempting to break the firmament of our flat earth. All right, Hushlings, thank you again for joining us for another murder mystery. 
I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And I'm Sick Frank Sanders. Until our next debriefing, remember, the best kept secrets are hidden in plain sight.